We are right uh, at the beginning of a sermon series where we're going to be walking our way through the famous Sermon on the Mount. As recorded in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We've call, we are calling this sermon series, seriously? Because what if Jesus seriously meant what He said? And He did. Seriously. The context for this whole series that I want you to be aware of is that this is about kingdom living. This whole series is about kingdom living. It's really to live in a way that pleases the king, living for the king. And so this series is really for those who are under the rule and reign of Jesus as king of their life. It's for us as followers of Jesus. So that's the context, kingdom living. And I kind of felt compelled, start, you know, studying this week for today's presentation, I kind of felt compelled to, to remind you and read for you the conclusion of this great sermon. I kind of wanted to, you know, let's start with the end in mind, and I feel like we ought to read the conclusion, sets us up really for a great uh, beginning of the series. Uh, here's what Jesus said, here's how He concluded this awesome sermon, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them in the practice, does not put them in the practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And it's our choice. It's our choice. Wise? Or a fool? Do you want to be in the category, you know, in the company of the wise? Or do you want to be a fool? Now, I'm assuming if you got your butt out of bed this morning and came here, you want to be in the wise category, right? And it's so simple, really. Listen to what he says and put it into practice. Listen to what he says and put it into practice. That's it. That's what he expects from any of us who are going to love and follow Jesus. Listen to what he says and put it into practice. Amen? Amen. Okay, now you're ready for my assigned text. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Here's what Jesus said at the beginning. Uh, last week, Adam walked us through the Beatitudes, and then he jumps right in. Here's what he says, Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. 
You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The word of the Lord. One of our students this past week made a suggestion as what we should call today's message. And they suggested that the message should be called, Stay Salty and Get Lit. (laughs) Stay Salty and Get Lit. Austin, what are we teaching our students? But actually, even more I thought about that, I'm like, yeah, I, I could go with this. Stay salty and get lit. Now, some of your parents have a little explaining to do later, but that's cool. And I can't wait to have the conversations you're going to have this week at your work. You know, you guess what the sermon was Sunday? <laughs> Stay salty and get lit. And I can go with that because Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. First of all, I think it's pretty obvious that this this passage is all about identity. So it's all about identity. You're the salt of the earth, and you're the light of the world. It, it, you know, Jesus didn't say, hey, this is what I want you to grow into. This is what I want you to become. This is what I want you to try to achieve. No, he said, you are. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now, salt is a preservative, and it's a taste enhancer. It makes food taste way better, amen? Yeah. And light is an illuminator. And that's what Jesus is saying we are in this world. And so this this passage is all about identity, but it's also all about influence. This whole passage that we are taking today is all about influence. Influence. Salt and light are intentional influences in this world. Salt and light make things in this world better. And so really, this whole passage is about identity and influence. Identity and influence. Identity and influence. In fact, my perspective is most of Scripture is all about identity and influence. Identity and influence. This is who you are, now live like it. This is who you are, now live it out. This is who you are, and you need to be living in a way that glorifies God and is for the good of others. Amen? That's the Christian message. Living for the glory of God and the good of others. Identity and influence. That's why 
our stated, uh, our stated mission statement here at the crossing is developing devoted followers of Jesus who will develop devoted followers of Jesus. Makes sense, right? We, we want you develop, uh, you know, developing as a devoted follower of Jesus so that you'll be able to influence others to be developing devoted followers of Jesus. That's it. That's it. And that's his plan A. He has no plan B. Our mission. So today, for just a few moments, I would love to share with you a perspective, some perspectives that might help assist our influence. Uh, I, I want to share a per per perspectives, three perspectives that might help us stay salty and uh, get lit in this world. First perspective. We are called to be in this world. We are called to be in this world. We are called to be in this world as salt and light. We are to be in this world um, as salt on this world's steak and veggies. You know what I'm saying? We're to, be, we're to make things taste better. And we are to be we are to be the light of this world that actually allows people to see the truth. And so we're taste enhancers and illuminators. And it's all about influence. And we are to do that in this world. Now I know, I know some of you were taught the exact opposite. Some of you were taught that we are called out of this world as to be separated, totally separated from this world. Jesus commissioned us to go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus, did he not? And so we are called to be in this world as salt and light influencing the world around us. We are in this world. In this world. Now, the truth is, if you want to make an impact on somebody, you got to get close. You got to get close. I heard an illustration this week uh, explaining the difference between empathy and sympathy. Do you know the difference? Uh, empathy and sympathy. Uh, here was the illustration. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, let's say that you have a friend that fell into a deep hole. Empathy climbs down into the hole and sits with them a while in the hole. And then when the time's right, they gently assist them trying to get out of the hole. You know what sympathy is? Standing on top of the hole, throwing down care packages that they could use while they're still in the hole. See the difference? The point is, you're really not going to make major impact unless you're getting close. The first perspective is salt and light. We are called to be in the world, making a difference. And so the second perspective, yeah, we're called to be in the world, but we are called not to be of the world. Not of the world. Listen, if Christians, if Christ followers lose our distinctiveness, we lose our influence. 
If you and I start looking and thinking and acting and feeling just like the rest of the world around us, we lose our saltiness. We lose our influence. We lose our impact. And so, yeah, we're to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. The Apostle John, one of my favorites from him, 1 John chapter 2, 15, 16, and 17, uh, says something like, hey, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. Now, this world and all its desires are going to pass away, but whoever does the will of God, the Father, lives forever. And what John was saying is, there is such a difference. There should be such an obvious difference in values from people of the world and people of the light. They're so opposite. This world values pride and power and possessions, pleasure, comfort, achievement, image. That's what the world values. But Jesus is going to tell us through the Sermon on the Mount, here's what His people value. Weakness, humility, generosity, sacrifice, the serving of others, the loving of others. Can you see? Totally different. And so we're to be in the world, but we're not to be like the world. We're not to be of the world. Completely different. For example, I want you to think social media. I want you to think about your social media. I, I really don't think Jesus is asking us to boycott social media. He wants us to engage for the glory of God and the good of others. Amen? Amen. That's what He wants. He doesn't want us boycotting. We're not to be separate, totally separate. We are to engage with the values of joy, kindness, Goodness, generosity, sacrifice, love, humility. Not like the values of the world where it's all about arrogance and pride and I'm right because. We're be in the world, but not like the world. Not of the world. Hey, one more perspective that this text is calling us to. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. But honestly, we need to be for the world. We need to be for the world. We need to be cheering on the world around us. We really do. We need to be for the world. We need to be given the impression that we're kind of like, we like people. We're for the people. We want them to find Jesus like we found Jesus. And so we're for them. Too many Christians give, give the appearance or the vibe that we don't like the people of the world and we don't want anything to do with them. We need to be for them, cheering them on for them because we want them to find Jesus. Amen? Amen? For the world. We need to be more like God who doesn't want anyone to perish and go to hell, but everyone to come to repentance and to find Him and to be saved. Before the world finding Jesus. And so, therefore, when there's a Super Bowl and a Jesus commercial comes on, 
that ends with he gets us, maybe we ought to say amen and celebrate and then pray back, and I just hope we will get him. Instead of being so loud and boisterous and critical online with your posts, no wonder the world wants nothing to do with Christians. Let's be for the world. In the world. Not like the world. But for the world. Finding Jesus. So, there's another difference I recognize about, uh, you know, about um, salt and light. Salt and light are so selfless. Did you get that? Salt and light are so selfless. Salt and light are always used to bless somebody outside themselves. It's always to, you know, bless somebody else. You know, salt is used to enhance the taste of something else. Light is used to, you know, illuminate something else. Listen, no one ever goes to Ruth Chris. No one ever goes to Ruth Chris and orders a filet, you know, the nine ounce filet, medium rare, anything over that, the cow died in vain. Amen. Thank you for listening over here. No one goes to Ruth Chris, orders a filet, medium rare, gets it to his table, sizzling hot. Don't touch the plate. You're, you're, you're cutting into the filet, and you put it in your mouth, and you chew, and mmm. And no one comes out with these words. The salt on this steak is amazing. No one says that. What do they say? Oh, this steak is so delicious. Oh, it's so tender. It's almost as good as Hickman's, but it is so... (laughs) Nobody walks in a building and says, Wow, the lights in here are incredible. Well, 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 hold up, hold up. Here at the crossing, some people may say that because now that we got all brand new LED lights, yay! Thank you, facilities team. Whoa. All right, that'll last for a month, but no one else is going to come here after a month and say, Woo, the lights. Woo. You see, the light is for the purpose of illuminating the space around. You do realize that we aren't here for ourselves. You do realize we don't exist for ourselves. You do realize that we exist for something outside uh, ourselves or others outside ourselves. Do you ever wonder why you're still here? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, why, why doesn't the Lord just beam us up? Right out of the baptistry, united with Christ, whew, wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, I don't know who would be left to baptize anybody, but wouldn't that be awesome? Do you ever wonder why you're still here? I'll tell you why you're still here. For the good of others. For the glory of God and the good of others. So, I thought about closing today, kind of answering the how. How do we go, how can we be better at being salt in this world? How can we go about being light in this world? I mean, how can we stay salty? How can we get lit? Austin, the more I'm saying it, the more I don't like it now. (laughs) 
How can, how can we stay salty? How can we get lit? How can we be the salt and light better? I want to I give you five assignments, and if you're a note taker, maybe even, you might want to write these down because it's going to take some effort. Five assignments. Number one, be personally hospitable. Be personally hospitable. And what that means is, be ready to welcome people in your space. Be ready to welcome people. Be ready to make people feel welcome, like wherever you are. Just be that kind of guy or lady. I want to welcome people. I want to be a joy for people. I want to welcome people. Which probably means you're going to need to get better at smiling. Right? Right? And it might, be, it might mean that you need to be better at uh, starting some conversations and greeting, have a pleasant greeting, a warm greeting, right? And here at the crossing especially, say things like, hey, good to see you with a smile. Like convince them. So glad you're here. Let's be better at welcoming people into our space. There is nothing worse than a church that gives the vibe we're full enough. My son recently went to a church. He walked in. No one said a word. He was there for an hour and a half. No one said a word to him. Be personally hospitable. Right? Number two. What? My brain's fogging. Go for it. Oh, yes. Be relationally attractive. Oh, yeah. Here's a good one. Be relationally attractive. Now, listen, this world puts a lot of value on being physically attractive. We need to put the value on being relationally attractive. Relationally attractive. Now, that means that we're not going out there being obnoxious and annoying, right? We're being relationally attractive. We're not being loud. We're not being critical. We're not being negative. We're not being weird. We're not being life-draining. Hey, what if, we, what if we are the joy? What if we're the kindness? What if we're the goodness? And just a little key bonus lesson, don't talk so much. Seriously, the Bible says where there are many words, sin is present. How long have I been going? Wow. How about this one? Third, be emotionally rewarding. Be emotionally rewarding. All of you have people in your life, you love being around them because they're just so emotionally rewarding. Hey, let's be that person. Let's be that guy. Emotionally rewarding. Let's be, let's be the people who kind of bring joy to the party, joy to the conversation, joy to the room. Let's be that guy, emotionally rewarding. Let's be the type of people that faces light up when they see us coming their way. Let's be the type of people that people don't mind running into the aisle at the grocery store instead of, oh, 
I'll get milk next week. And a key lesson, don't talk so much. Oh, I said that, right? How about number four, be socially different. We need to stick out as totally different from the rest of this world. This world's values is all about pleasure, possessions, pride, making a name for myself, comfort, image, achievement. We need to be socially different. We need to show that we delight in humility, generosity, sacrifice, serving, loving, helping, totally different. And one more, be spiritually influential. Be spiritually influential. I mean, it all ramps up to, it's all about making Him look good. It's all about pointing to Him, right? Verse 16 of our text says, let your good deeds, let your light shine so that, that the people will see your good deeds, which is in, in acts of sacrifice, sacrificial love, and will glorify God in heaven, the Father in heaven. It's all about pointing to Him. It's not making ourselves look good. It's about, you know, doing these good things and serving people and loving people and being different so that He gets the glory. Let's be spiritually influential. I want to end with a quote that I found this week. I just thought, eh, that's pretty good. Madeline LaEngel writes this. We draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe or by telling them how wrong they are or how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source. Yeah. You, my friend, are the salt of the earth. You are the light of this world. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this passage of Scripture that allows us the gentle reminder of who we are. Identity. Influence. And I pray, Lord, that the reminder just reminds us that we're yours. And that we're followers of Jesus, emulating Him in this world. For influence of others to be pointed to you. Would you use our church family with succeeding at great influence for your namesake? May we better understand because of today why you called us the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We love you, Lord. Thank you for inviting us to be involved in your kingdom. In the name of Jesus.